Hey, what's up, everybody? So this episode is an interview I did with Casey Cohen on his podcast, The CEO Story. He had me on the show. It was great. He had a chance to interview me and talk about some of the stuff we're working on. And I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you ever have any questions or comments from the episode, feel free to let me know. Thanks. Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And I'm AJ Casada. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you'd like to join the best digital marketing agency community on the planet and let us help you scale, go to twiz.io to sign up today. Welcome to another episode of the CEO story. And we've got a great CEO today. He's the CEO and founder of Twiz. And this is a really unique SEO company because it scaled past multi seven figures and then switched to a SaaS product. So he's kind of went through the motions and we're going to dig into all of the problems, all of the solutions and how he tackled them all. So Lucas James, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. Thank you, man. I'm so happy we're meeting in person. I know it's I know. been a while on Zoom and just virtual. So We must you, have known each other now, I think, for at least four or five years virtually yes. from when you, you initially started, right? Yes. Yes. Me and my business partner, Christian, back in 2018, been in this area, growing the marketing agency and then the SaaS product. But yeah, we've known each other for a while and seen each other grow just all around. And yeah. it's fantastic to see other people grow and kind of add value, yeah. especially in the SEO space. Let's start there because right. you started from scratch with your co-founder, yeah. bootstrapped it, and built up an agency to a multi-seven-figure agency. So that's amazing in its own right. Thank you. But then you took it to the next step and then converted it to a SaaS product, which I thought was genius personally. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what the agency is, what yeah. you guys do. And what really separates you from an SEO perspective to the other 5 million people out there trying to sell you SEO services? So, so what does it mean and what makes you guys so unique? Because you've grown so rapidly. Yes, I think I ask myself this a lot. And when we try to analyze where we can be better, I try to ask ourselves, like, what are the things we're already doing well so we can double down on those strengths? And I think what might have helped significantly over the last five years is doing things that other people were not willing to do. I always hear this from potential prospects that we're reaching out to, potential clients. We'll do things like make an SEO video analysis that's five minutes long to show them all the things that are wrong with their website, but we'll do it before we even talk to them. Yeah, value add up front. Exactly. And it's funny, it's just telling you about the new podcast we're launching. We had some people on who've had huge agencies and I asked them all, how many meetings do you typically take with someone before they become a prospect or a client? And consistently, it was three to four meetings. And I think what makes us different is that whether it was intuitive or whether we just kind of hustled to figure it out, we just realized that relationships were everything. No matter what you're selling, we sold a lot of different things over the years, but no matter what you're selling, those relationships are most important and most people are not willing to put the time in to build a relationship. I think that's really what's been different. And it's the equity and the value that you're putting in. It's like, hey, we're going to do this task. Let's just call it an SEO review. Yeah. It's going to take you guys five or 10 minutes per prospect, let's call it. Right. That other people are just like, no, if they're interested, they'll fill out the form, they'll give us the information, and then they've got to pay us a fee to do that. Yeah. So you're taking that extra mile. And again, one of the old adages is how you do anything is how you do 
everything, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're doing the small things like that ahead of time, just as a great value add up front, then that to me is a good indicator of you're going to take care of me on the back end a lot more than the average person. Yeah, I would definitely say so. And I think that I've fallen into a trap sometimes. I think when we're at our worst, it's when we do try to grow too quickly. And, and we, if we ever take a shortcut, I, I try to find my way to come back to center. But I see it so often where agencies and businesses, they do try to take shortcuts because on social, it's so easy to be fed this narrative that, like you said, leads come in. All you have to do is talk about your service. They'll just buy it. You talk to them for 30 minutes. They buy your service. It's a cash machine. And that's not really reality. It's a lot harder to build a relationship. If you actually have a relationship, a real relationship with your client, it's unlikely they're ever going to leave. And you just have to ask yourself, if every single person you ever work with stayed, how much bigger would your business be? That's right? so funny you should say that. Our retention rate at Together CFO is through the roof. Yeah. Exactly because we do a white glove service mm -hmm. down to the fact that we know when the birthdays are, what the kids' interests right. are, they're getting gifts, personalized hand notes. So really showing the clients that we actually care yeah. On top of the amount of money we save them at the end of the year, it always puts a smile on the face. But these are already highly successful people. Saving an extra few hundred thousand dollars a year isn't going to make the difference. But a signed jersey from Brady to that kid right. who loves Brady, that means something so much deeper. So it's how do we add in value and showing people that you actually care. So I love the way that you guys do that with the additional reporting and the reviews. Other than that, you mentioned in something really profound there. You said you figured out what you do good and you do more of it. Yeah. So what is it that you do good in terms of the SEO side of right. things? And how do you then do more of that? Yeah. Well, I don't think came up with this, but definitely refined it for our own business. This whole principle of self-usage, meaning that if I'm going to tell a client to do something, it's something that I'm doing for myself. And again, when we've kind of gotten distracted or every anytime we've, we've taken shortcuts in the past, we always try to come back to that center point, which is, okay, I'm telling someone to do something. Am I actually getting results from this thing? I, and I think that in terms of doubling down on our strengths, I always ask myself, okay, we're trying all these experiments. We're trying all these things for ourselves. Which things are we doing well? And which things can we continue doing for ourselves? And then for the things we're telling our clients to do, are we also doing them? Or are we not practicing our book, I guess, is, is what you, you would say. And so for us, it's, I look at when we do our own podcast or when we do our videos or we do any kind of strategy I tell for my client, anything that we could be doing better is something that is working. And anything that we tell our clients to do that might not be what we're doing, I think is a distraction. I think it actually takes you farther away from building momentum in a business, growing a business. So as, as close as you can get to just having continuity between what you do and then doing the same thing for yourself, I think ultimately is what can help you double down on your strengths and then also just practice what you preach in general, which people trust more ultimately. And it, and it shows instantly. So I've got a great example here because of the trust structures that we create for our clients. They're, they're asking all of these questions. What about this? What about that? And I'm like, this is the exact same structure that I'm set up in. I live and breathe this every right. single day, whether that's the tax savings piece, whether that's the asset protection piece, it soon will be the wealth transfer piece because yeah. we're pregnant. But this, these are the things that I do in my situation, whether it's added on insurance or investments or whatever it is, I can speak to that firsthand 
because that is my truth. Yeah. So I think it's very similar to what you're saying is that live in it. Don't right. just be the professor talking about the theory 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. And also because theories are not always correct. I mean, the theory is, is something that you're, you're just, you're just coming up with an idea mm -hmm. and there's a lot, ideas are, are really are cheap unless you can execute on them. And an idea becomes stronger and, and becomes factual once you've not only done it for yourself, but you've done it for other people. It's the same with science. If, if you have a hundred scientists confirming something, then it doesn't just become uh, an idea, it becomes fact. And I think that's really where uh, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle, especially in service businesses. It's if much it's a, harder in service businesses. Yeah, if it's a service business, you really gotta be a user of your process. You can't just be an idea guy. You gotta actually really do what you say other people should do. I think that's- Yeah, because important. people leave very quickly, Yeah, especially in the world that we're at, where we're providing these services to multi-seven, eight-figure businesses. So if you're not getting the results very quickly, Right. Or pre-framing them that, hey, this is a longer project. Because I know SEO doesn't happen overnight. What kind of time frames do you usually see that you can start turning things around and, yeah. and getting good results? Well, we definitely, we do bill ourselves as an SEO lead gen agency. But over the years, we have kind of moved a little bit away from that sort of classical definition, which is what's SEO really was almost like the first digital marketing strategy because search engines mm -hmm. were the first kind of way to use the internet. And because of that, SEO was the first, and that's sort of the most classical definition is search engine optimization. What I actually try to focus on more with my clients is generating traffic, because traffic is actually something you can generate a lot quicker than just SEO. If you do SEO, it could take six months to a year, but if you do things that generate you traffic, you can start getting traffic immediately if you do the right thing. So this is kind of looking at a more wider approach saying, hey, yeah. SEO is one subset of traffic. We can do traffic multiple ways. Right. And that gets clients' results much quicker, I'm assuming. Yes, yes, it does. And and the thing is that when you, so things like a podcast, right? You have a podcast guest on the show. That podcast guest is probably going to share that podcast with their audience. When they share that podcast with their audience, you then get traffic, right? Yeah. You get people coming and that audience is probably mostly if it's a service business and you're catering to business owners, probably business owners who are watching it too. I can imagine CEO story, that's probably other CEOs maybe or other executives at companies. So by me sharing it, it drives traffic. So what I try to say is, look, SEO is a great strategy and it's something that, especially if you're already a scaled business, can really be something that takes you to the next level. But if you're just starting out, you should be focusing on ways to go viral. Virality, you can, you can conjure at any time. You just need to know what to do. That makes so much sense to me. It's kind of like one slice of the pizza or the full pizza, right? right. <laughs> We're looking for the full pizza. We're hungry over here. So what are some of the tips and techniques that you use currently to help your clients go viral? Yeah. First one is actually the podcast. So we've actually not, and this is partly following what works as opposed to hypothesizing. I think for us, we realized that the podcast actually was one of the best ways for us to get new business. What we would do is we would have people on the podcast and then just by getting to know them and building a relationship, they would naturally ask us, hey, what is it that you do? And then it would lead into a sales conversation. So you never have to force anyone to jump into a sales call, but they just trust you after that point. They like you, they know about you, they trust you, and they think, this seems like a cool person that could probably help me with my solution. So once they know what you do, you could casually bring up, are you looking for something like this? So that was something we did, and we actually were able to grow our podcast now to the top 5% in the world, according to Spotify. 
And that process replicated now for myself and my clients and having their own podcasts has proven to be one of the best ways to actually generate business in a non-salesy way. So that's kind of what- It's back to what some of your core beliefs are, which is it's about relationship, right? Yes. You don't have to be selling, hey, come on my podcast and talk about SEO services or traffic. No, come and let's just talk about whatever your expertise is and we'll figure it all out. And it'll produce so much value to the listeners that- it'll create a relationship between us. And I'll tell you, there really is two parts of what I do for clients. And then all of the marketing strategies are kind of embellishments to these two core things. And those two things are the podcast, which is building one for them, getting guests who are their prospects on, and then showing them ways to build relationships that they naturally turn into sales calls. And if they don't, no sweat, you get new traffic. So there's really no lose. It's a win-win, right? It's a win-win scenario. Worst case, they share with their audience, which then gets you more people to be on the show who can turn into opportunities. The second thing is kind of what we were talking about before, which is the relationship piece is so huge. And so I actually help a lot of my clients just just show them that, hey, if you're trying to grow your business, you actually have to persuade someone who doesn't think that they need your service at the time that they actually need your service. That's like, that's sales 101. But most businesses, the reason they can never scale is because they they actually don't know how to do that. So they, they're so used to getting business only from referrals, which is not a bad thing. It's great. I get a lot of business from referrals. But usually you have to be able to go out to people and say, this is why we're good. And if you just go to someone and you call them and you say, this is why we're good, buy from us, buy from us, buy from us, there's no way to build a relationship. But if you give value and then you move into second piece, which is maintaining that relationship by continuing to meet with them and continuing to get value, and you're willing to meet with them multiple times before they become a client, before you start selling them, then you can really move the needle in your business. And those two things are the main things I focus on. 100%. I totally agree with both of them. And there was a study done a while back now, and it says you need around 16 touch points in order to sell someone. And that was a while back. So I'm sure it's even higher right Right. now. But I think you can reduce a lot of those touch points if you're actually genuine and care first. Yes. And add value first rather than just go, hey, me, me, me. This is what I want. Give me what I want. It's like, no, it's not all about you man yeah. it's like calm yourself down let's add value first yes. yes show some and then i think the word reciprocity comes to mind is that you do enough good for other people it'll always come back it will so it will it's calmer as well I, I live my life like this when i meditate and kind of a grateful gratitude is a big one for me it's like i'm grateful for the smallest of things from getting out of bed healthy to having breakfast with my wife or whatever that is right yeah. it's like if you can appreciate the small things, you can definitely appreciate the big things. Yes. So, yes. I think it's so important. I think I, I think part of where maybe our success also came from is, is I always had an intrinsic value-based system where I wanted to build a business to try to give back to society. That was the reason I even got started. I didn't really care so much about the monetary part as I did about giving that value back to society in some way, shape or form. Now, this is my current vehicle to do that. Over time, I plan to get into more complex industries like maybe engineering or, or, or biotech or things like that. But mm-hmm. this is the easiest way to get in. Now, the reason I say that is because I think a lot of people, and you sound like someone who has similar values as me, but I think a lot of other people, they, they really just want to make a quick buck. And I think that's where they go wrong is they have no yeah. value system about giving back. And so for me, it was just kind of natural to give a lot of value. I just thought, 
hey, I'm going to just give as much as possible. It's already aligned with my ethos. And I think for other people, it's harder to realize that they have to give so much first. It's so funny you should say that. One of the things I say on virtually all of our prospect calls, and I'm teaching my guys to say the same thing, is becoming a client of ours and working together does not change my life one bit. Yeah. But it's going to profoundly change your life and your future generation's lives forever in perpetuity. Right. And that kind of shows them that I don't need the business. Yes, we're all we're here to make profit and make a business, yeah. but whether you do this or not doesn't impact me one iota. I'm still going to be eating a nice steak tonight. I'm still <laughs> driving my Ferrari, my Rolls Royce. It's not a big issue for me. Yeah. But it's the impact it can make for you. And just coming from that place of not being desperate or needy or pressuring people because that's not in alignment with who I am, right? It's like, right. hey, we can save you all this money in taxes. We can structure you better. You can give more money to your community, your charities, your family, whoever you want, just by having a more efficient structure. Right. Or whether that's a traffic. Hey, you can get more traffic so you can get more conversion so you can make more profit. It's effectively the same thing, but just at a different angle, right? Yes. And it's that you're not chasing it. And it, you attract it, and, and we don't want to get all spiritual and, and <laughs> hippie on us, but it's true. It's like the less you chase it and the more value you add, right. you resonate different and you give off that different message because so much of what we talk about and communicate is nonverbal. Yeah. I think it's what 83% of communication is nonverbal. Right. So it's the body language, it's the nuances, it's the energy and the feeling of, yep. hey, do I like this guy? And when you do business with people that you like, yeah, like if you don't like someone, there's so many options out there. Right. You don't have to do business with people you don't like unless it's maybe the power companies or the internet companies that you might be restricted. But other than that, you more than likely find people that you like to work with. Yeah, that's so true. And I think just touch on a little bit of that spirituality really quickly or not your spirituality, but just if you want to go physics, like I was just reading a book about quantum gravity by Carlo Rovelli. I think he's the, the author's name, but it kind of applies to business and life, which is that over the last 50, 60, 70 years, the, the, the dominant, if I'm getting this right, the dominant perspective of, of, of quantum physics is that essentially the world is made up of what are called covariant gravitational fields. And so everything is gravity and everything is just fields interacting with each other. And so there's an attraction that is true between everything. Well, you know, we're everything. all connected, right? Yes, we're all energy all particles. Exactly. So you, there has to be something that has already been proven, but maybe even if it's a little, some things are might be on the subjective side, but there, there does have to be something that attracts two people together when you do give value. I, I do firmly believe that there has to be something happening there, on a, even on a physical level, just to, in, our, in our nature yeah, of life. I totally agree. Let's go back to the business side of things. So you scaled really quickly. Are you and your co-founder, you both scaled it really quickly. What were some of the growing pains that you dealt with yeah. in terms of the staffing and the people side of things? So I think we actually went through a lot of similar growing pains to a lot of businesses, especially going from $80,000 a monthly recurring revenue to $200,000 a monthly recurring revenue. That transition was a huge one. That was getting actual people in the business who are lifers. You're going to be there for a long time. They're not going to leave, not going to be employee turnover, um, paying people well, understanding comp structures, understanding where to find the best sales people from, lots of just business one-on-one. But I will say for anybody 
listening, the biggest thing was actually just understanding myself, learning how to understand what I, how I work. And that was where I struggled was not fully knowing myself. I had a really good opportunity to do so without going into too much detail recently where I did have a business failure just in a certain aspect of what I was doing with the SaaS product. I, I rolled out a feature too quickly and it did kind of cause some static within the people using the software and we were, we were able to resolve it, but I was very impulsive. And so I, I tend to be, so I got to see in like an isolated case study, what happens when I made certain decisions. And so I, because no one else was building the app, it was just me and I was building the application and getting users on it. So I think what, what that forced me to do, both the, the failure and then the subsequent recovery, I guess, in that short period of time, was to really understand why I got in that situation to begin with. And so now what I tell people is I say, I'm an impulsive person. I make decisions too quickly. And I love making decisions to add things to a product, even if it's working, even if something's working super well, I want to add new things. I always want to innovate, right? Okay. So I always that's tell- the creative side of you. That's into, my right? creative side. Yeah. And so what happened in that situation was I just added too many things. I added too many features and I rolled out a product that was maybe not exactly what it, it should have been. I should have maybe spent a little more time just ironing it out. So I think the the main lesson for me was that uh, I, I, I just need to focus on, again, my strengths. And if there's things that I do well, which is coming up with new ideas, I can handle that part. But I need someone else who really is my business partner, Christian, to just say, hey, this product's working. Like, leave we don't alone. leave it alone. It's fine. You, you don't know, need to change it. We've just implemented, I just, it's been a few months now, EOS. Uh, yeah, I see the traction book right there. And that really helped me because I'm very similar to you. It's like, yeah. I'll make one decision today, I'll make another decision tomorrow, and I'll change my mind a million times and it drives my team crazy. They're like, <laughs> yeah. well, you told me to remove this. Like a simple one from the other day was YouTube and mm -hmm. the description. I'm like, why, aren't, why don't we have our website and our links and our clicks like all listed out yeah. in our description? It's like, well, you told us to remove that because it was too long. I'm like, don't think so. Like, doesn't sound like something I would do, but I trust them. So it probably was. But again, making a million decisions at yeah. the same time and not even remembering that I did something that was right. detrimental to the business because why wouldn't you want your website on the bottom of a YouTube yeah. video? It's like one-on-one -on -one, like we were talking about, right? Yes. So yes. it's learning and iterating and kind of the way I say it to my, my team is I'm... I don't really eat that much. I don't sleep that much. <laughs> I make too many decisions as well. Yes. If you can come with a solution, yeah. our at least two suggestions and give me a yes or no decision to make, right. it's much more likely to happen than if I've got to go research something or yeah. read something. So Chet Holmes taught me that one. Mm. He was like, he has weekly meetings with his team and they come with any issues that they have or any and then they come with three solutions mm. and then they give, it gets to a point where all he has to say is yes or no. Right. The point at which I brought traction up is there's different people and roles within the companies, right? So you're, you and I are both visionaries. We yeah. see the vision very clearly. Right. That doesn't make us good executors or integrators. No. <laughs> And we're probably really bad at that. Very bad at that. But we can paint the picture of where we want to get to or what we want to build or how yeah. we want it to look and feel and experience. But we need the other side of the coin and we need yes. that team. And it's not just one person usually, but there's at least one solid person yeah. that's championing it, that's executing it, that's making sure that 
what we see in our head gets actioned and create whether it's an app whether it's a tool whether it's a service yeah actually gets delivered and brought to market right because that's not our genius right and well, you can't be genius at everything i would say it's, it's very simple to to the biggest lesson that i learned in general was was yes obviously learning from your own failures and trying to move around them but also on top of that it's when it comes to just revenue and growing sales in a business what I realized when we were having a huge, we've always have, and this happens to a lot of businesses, where you have like a run of sales, where you just sales are going up. Month right. on month, you see yeah, that curve exponentially go up. It feels it just, nice. It just feels good. And what happened when we went from that initial like $1 million run rate to two, then $2.5 million run rate, um, what happened to me was I was thinking, okay, great. Now I can go work on the software product. And what I, what I realized was we were actually able to keep the business plateaued around that number while I was able to basically only spend like 30 minutes a week so working. You bought, on, your, you bought your time back is what I'm hearing. I, I did. But, but the lesson, though, is that it's not enough to, in my opinion, it's, it's not enough to keep a business, to, to, to hand over the reins of a business and have it plateau. A lot of businesses think, oh, I just want it to be passive and all stuff. What I would argue, if you're someone that wants to create a valuable asset, and if you're also impulsive like me, which is a lot of entrepreneurs, what you should aim for is you should have that wave of new sales increase and then kind of let it crash to shore. And then eventually you'll have a plateau period and then another growth spurt. But the key, and I think the value and, and the, the mark of a successful entrepreneur really is can you get people to also continue to grow the business even if you're not involved, not just maintain it. Yeah but actually grow the business. And that was something I, I wasn't able to do without my involvement. And so now uh, I was able to get them to maintain it. And that was cool. And I was able to basically have like a passive income stream, but I wasn't able to keep them growing it. And so that, that was a huge learning lesson for me is like, if you're going to grow a business, find people who can continue growing it. If you get hit by a car the other day or something and you can't, you're not around anymore, you should still have the business grow. I mean, if you're making something that's substantially good for the world, you should try to find a way to get it to grow without you. Yeah. And a lot of this, the way I relate that to my business is succession planning. Yeah. Is when I'm not here, if I go on vacation for a month, what's going on? Like, are we going to miss a beat? Is the revenue going to go to zero? Like, what is happening in terms yeah. of driving that? And the analogy I'll use is be the king maker, don't be the king. Mm. Because if you can create kings and leaders within the organization, you're not going to miss a beat. You can go on a vacation or start a new company or an app or whatever you want to do, but you've now created a king yes. or queen and they can take that to the next level, right? Because it's not about you anymore. I actively put that time and effort into building a system and a process that's so well-oiled that doesn't need me. Right. That's when I class it as successful, is yes. that I can step away and you continue to keep growing, whether yes. that's by a dollar or ten dollars or a million dollars, it's going in the right direction. It might not go as fast as if I was there, but it doesn't need my time allocated to it. And I've been thinking about this so much more as we're pregnant right now, my wife and I. So we'll, we're expecting our baby in July. It's like okay. I'm working overdrive right now. Yeah. So that when July comes, I'm able to be present with my wife and my baby even more right. than, than I would be when I'm on calls for 40 hours a week. Yeah, that's that's so true. And I think there's the part of the reason why being the kingmaker is also important or queenmaker is because you that's a lesson and a skill 
that will carry with you as you go from 2 million to 5 million to 10 million and beyond. That was, I think, the fundamental flaw I had and why I was kind of, for, we were able to get that 200,000, but we were kind of plateaued around there for the last like year and a half. Mm -hmm. I remember like we spoke about it for a while, right? Yeah. And, and that was the main reason though, because I was able to get people to do the stuff that I did and just keep the lights on, but I wasn't able to get them to keep growing it without me. And so I really looked at myself and said, okay, how can I, how can I get people to our, who are entrepreneurs who just want to grow the business, get them incentivized, get the right kind of comp structure. So that way I just have the, all this momentum behind the business. You have all these people at the same time yeah, trying to grow. It's like a mastermind too, is that you have 12 people solving one problem. It's going to get solved pretty quickly Yeah. versus 12 problems with one person. Right. It's like, ah, oh, you start pulling your hair out and you're going to yeah. go crazy. Yes. So it, I definitely love that. That makes a lot of sense to me and buying back your time. But empowering leaders, it's like people are the biggest asset of any business, but they don't appear on any financial statement. Right. No balance sheet, no P&L, no cash flow. Yep. But without good people, you are not going to be growing a good business. Yes, you definitely need good people. I, I summarize it as, it's actually similar to what I learned from Traction, but my spin on it is they need to have capacity, ability, and tenacity. So they need to have the time to do what you need them to do. And that's important for people who hire a lot of like part-time contractors and stuff. They have the ability, either you need to give them the ability by training them, or they just need to have it naturally. And they have to have the tenacity. You have to actually want someone who comes into your office physically or virtually every day and says, I'm ready to work. I'm really excited. I and have good energy, right? Because yes. you can just show up and clock in and clock out. But if you're like, oh, body language is down here. It's a drag. Yeah. I don't want to be here versus, hey, how's it going? Let's yeah. go. Let's go grab some food. Let's get some clients, some results. Yes. That's completely different a team yeah. player and i was with jay abraham two weekends ago oh, nice. and one of the things that that he shared and taught me it was such a simple statement we all know this but you know we forget and we consume information time and time again he says the ceo's number one job is to hire a team players yes and yes. i'm like fuck am i hiring a team players and i really like reflected on myself am i really achieving this right and if not i need to fix it because i'm the one that's responsible for that well and i think the, the 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 other pro tip here for anybody who is thinking okay yes i need to go get 18 players but how do i actually have those people on demand at all times because mm -hmm. if you're growing like let's say you're probably very good at sales i know i've developed a lot of good sales i, I think skills. i'm terrible really? at sales okay. yeah <laughs> well at least, I'm a finance guy by yeah. background, right? It's like, <laughs> okay, well, I'll speak for myself. I have been able to develop that as a skill. And the hard part for me was having those people on standby. If I go close a bunch of new deals, how do I make sure that those people are going to be able to grow the company and do, how, do have enough talent on standby? So what I've realized, both from working with a lot of large businesses and also seeing companies grow from like 4 million to 10 million and get on the Inc. 500. I've had a client of ours do that recently. But what I noticed is he create a huge amount of people who are taking his courses for free online. And he was this big influencer and he had all these people taking these free courses. And he just drew all those people in as employees whenever he needed them because he had hundreds of people who had already gone through the training and it was all free. It was all free training, but it was basically a huge well he could draw, draw from. So what I'm doing now is I have these weekly meetings, one on Mondays and one on Fridays, with potential people who are interested in sales. And I just do it for free. I just teach them all how to close because it's a good skill that they can have. And you can think of it as uh, baseball when you have the major leagues, you have the minor leagues, you have the farm league and all this stuff. You basically have your core people 
And then you have all these people who are on standby, ready to go, who are being trained and actively in the process in some capacity. I like that. That makes a lot of sense to me. I do it slightly differently. I don't, I'm not able, well, maybe I am, maybe I'm as a limiting belief, but I wouldn't train anyone in sales closing because I don't feel I'm an expert at it. Right. The way I kind of get around that is always keep a pipeline of 18 players. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a great example of this. So I was speaking at an event in Scottsdale last week and we go out for a nice steak dinner and the server is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. She's got the glasses filled up. She's taking everyone's order. Everything comes out perfectly seamless and she's fun and she's bubbly i'm like i would love to have someone like you work in my company so i get her number we exchange details i interviewed her this week she's got some extra capacity and she's coming on board that's awesome and that is a server in a restaurant so it doesn't matter to me what their current job is it's the person and can we transform that person and give them a better opportunity that's gonna change their lives as well yeah. as impact my clients' lives because now I know the way she, she trapped me right. made me feel really special. Yeah. So if I can take that skill set of her and put it into my business and have her make my clients feel special, right? that's a win-win for me because customer service is really important for what we do. Yeah. And then she just so happens to tell me she has great sales experience and sales skills. I'm like, well, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> we can use that skill set too. Yes. So she goes from being a part-time person to a full-time person, all because of the skill set she has and the fact that we're growing so rapidly, we have a demand and a need for that. That's the key. That's the key. And that's, that's yeah, again, I mean, it's the it's it's what I alluded to earlier. It's that that is the critical skill to go past $2 million a year in revenue. I think to get to $2 million a year in revenue, you could basically be a one any man kind band. of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. any kind of business. But to be that 0.1% of businesses and really make an impactful change on society, you need to know how to rally the troops. You need to know how to build a culture. And that was something that was tough for me. And I think, you know, that book, Traction. Yeah, 100%. You know, yeah. I'm reading that one right now too. It's very it's, good. It's changed the way I look at things. And I would say even more... One person can take any business and make it a multi-million dollar business quite easily. But you can't take it from 2 million to 20 million with one person. Yes. You need a team. You need a tribe. You need to build that culture in the tribe to instill those core beliefs, those values and principles. Right. And make your own kind of flavor of that. And then you go together. Yeah. And honestly, I mean... I think the the metaphor of of cultivating a garden is actually a good one, even though I'm not a not a gardener, but I know how you're it works. a musician. A musician. But yeah, but it's like, it, it, but it does work because every the, 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 another big mistake I see so many people make, and I made 